We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. IB Nation, welcome. We are covering the commitments of 2024 Hannibal running back Aeneas Williams to the University of Notre Dame. Chose Notre Dame over finalists Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky. Boasts one of the more prolific offer lists that you'll see around the country for 2024. A lot of the top names, top schools, top programs that you think of when you think of college football. I'm Ryan Roberts, of course, Director of Scouting here at irishbreakdown.com. That is Ryan Smith over there, over there, joining us tonight. Who knows Aeneas very well, has kind of been familiar with the film and the backstory and a little bit of the recruiting, and we'll cover everything here tonight because it's a massive pickup for Notre Dame, before we start this little commitments recap here, just hit that like button, subscribe to the podcast, hit that notification bell, and share this podcast. If you're signed up at boards.irishbreakdown.com, you would have known weeks ago that we felt pretty good about this one finally here. So, Brian, big pickup for Notre Dame here, man. Before we get into a little bit of the backstory, Aeneas is rated by rivals as the number one all-purpose back in the 2024 class, number 106 player overall, consensus four-star across the board. Pretty interesting kid as well because the offers really started rolling in this past spring into the summer when he kind of hit the camp circuit and really started to get the attention of some of the premier programs in all of college football, and his rankings have risen tremendously 108 touchdowns in the first three years of his career which is just <laughs> nutty absurd so brian big pickup though obviously here for notre dame man number one all-purpose back in the class and year after they're going to be pulling jeremiah love and combining it with the running back crew that notre dame has now this is a pretty big one for notre dame this is a kid that kind of bursted onto the scene for those people out there that don't know much about aeneas when he went to the Army All-American Bowl underclassmen combine, which they're going to have probably every year. Um, it's it's something that you just don't know when kids show up. Sometimes kids don't do as well in those settings. I was told he was far and away the best running back there in terms of how he ran the drills. And that word got out. And then people started going to the school he's at. But it's a program that doesn't normally have kids. So it's harder to grade his film, see what he does, because he just – Mauls people at that level. He's 
it, it's not even fun for him probably in a lot of ways where he's at playing high school football. To Ryan's point a minute ago, if you average 108 by three, that's 36 a year, including his freshman year. Where that's he had 27, 27, and then he had 47 <laughs> as a sophomore, Brian, to your point. Yes, pretty good, man. Pretty decent. Um, I mean, I watched a little bit of his film from his sophomore year. I haven't wasted my time with his junior year because nobody at that level can do much against him. And the next time I watch him, I wanted to be seven on seven or camp circuit under armor, uh, something else of that nature, because I need to see him against other guys. But this is what I've been told. Alabama had him number one on their board is what I heard. Mm-hmm. Even if that's remotely close, I'm good with it. First off, yes. <laughs> that's that's the first thing people need to know. Second of all, he's a do-it-all back. I mean, I, I forget which one you said had him number one as, a, as an all-around back, but he catches the ball well. If you're going to play in modern college football, I mean, there's nothing wrong with a pure power back and all that, but if you can't catch – how valuable are you in the spread? He can do right. that. And he's over 200 pounds, 210, 215, probably by the time he fills out. So, you know, he's an NFL body waiting to happen. And he's tremendous in short area space. So that part you can tell even on the film against subpar competition, because a lot of guys are, you know, they're, they're pretty much dead to rights to hit him and knock him down. And they don't even come close to it. He's, he's tremendous in short area space. So he's what you're looking for. Notre Dame gets love last year out of Missouri. They're going to get another one. That's it's hilarious how all of a sudden the state of Missouri for Notre Dame, Ryan. I don't, I don't know what's in the water over there by the river, but uh, it's working out well for the Irish. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Well, and we are definitely going to get into that as part as kind of the class impacts, because like you said, Notre Dame has really hit St. Louis hard in 2023. You know, we're, we're going to count Hannibal, even though it's like an hour away from St. Louis as part of St. Louis for this. Cover. We'll, we'll just cover the whole state of New Missouri, obviously. 
Yes. It's close to the river. We're good. Yeah. And <laughs> Notre Dame has some other top targets on the board in 2024 yeah. out of the St. Louis area as well, which we will definitely get into. A couple more cool notes because I had the chance to talk to Aeneas. I almost called him Kyron Williams because it's such a natural comparison, but we'll get into comparisons, I'm sure, at some point too. But talk to his head coach, Jason Noland, out of Hannibal High School. And Brian, I love this stat. Freshman year, all-purpose back, second-team All-State, 27 touchdowns. Sophomore year, first-team All-State as a wide receiver. Junior year, first-team All-State as a running back. He's literally made All-State three straight years at three different spots, which is we, – we talk about all-purpose, right? And and you said it perfectly. This kid can do a little bit of everything, man. Like, they'll throw him out wide as a number one wide receiver. They'll put him in the slot. He'll work out of the backfield in the passing game. He'll obviously play running back. He even had 73 tackles and three interceptions on the defensive side of the football as a sophomore as well. So this is a kid who I feel like we use this this terminology too often, but he is a man amongst boys in his level of competition. Like there's no doubt about that, right? So massive get for Notre Dame though. Because I think that when you look at what they've been able to do with the running back position over the last couple years, moving back to the Audric Estime, Logan Diggs, into the Jadarian Price, Jabron Payne, now Jeremiah Love committed in the 2023 class to Notre Dame as well. Now moving into Aeneas Williams. Notre Dame's not going to be hurting at the running back position a ton. But want to get in a little yeah. bit to the backstory here because it's uh, – it's an interesting one. So he was a young man who was on Notre Dame's radar. I know they've been keeping close tabs on him dating back to the spring and into the summer, obviously. But it was Irish Invasion where he originally got his offer. He went out there. And, and Brian, I think that we need to mention this again because you pointed this out, right? They wanted to see him, as a lot of schools did, in a camp setting. See what he looks like because the film, you can get only so much out of that film. Let's be honest, right? Like he's playing against Perhaps. kids that he is – Way better. Easily the yeah. best player on the field, right? So they get him to camp, Irish Invasion. He impresses, obviously, tests well, do all that stuff that you need him to kind of check those boxes, gets the offer that weekend. And from there, he's now been on campus three times since April, if I remember correctly. And the one time that he did, um, well, one of these game day visits he took this season was Clemson, was the first one. And we got the information that at, during the Clemson visit, he silent t- to Notre Dame committed there at the football game. Then two weeks later, he comes back for the Boston College game. And I think that just reaffirmed everything, right? Like he was, he had already made the decision, but that was really the, I guess the, uh, the, the final piece of the puzzle as far as just reaffirming, you know, going back there as a silent commits and or part of the class. And, you know, this one it wasn't much of a secret. Uh, to be honest here for, for a couple weeks, but it's a, uh, it's again, big get for Notre Dame, fascinating backstory. And I think that the biggest thing for me, Brian is one, you're getting a talented athlete Two, you're getting at a position that you continue to do really well at both recruiting and developing at the running back position. And you already mentioned a part that I wanted to talk about here was the fact that class impact. We usually do, the position first, then the class. But I want to start with the class impact because I want to hit into the St. Louis, Missouri area conversation for a second, which is important, very important. So 2023 class, you have Christian Gray, star cornerback out of this Met Jesuit. 
You have Jeremiah Love out of Christian Brothers out of the St. Louis area as well. Now fast forward to 2024, Notre Dame has their eyes on several key targets in Missouri and coupled obviously more in the St. Louis area. Hannibal, again, about an hour away from the St. Louis area. But you get now a a player like Aeneas Williams in 2024 class. You still have guys like Ryan Wingo out of St. Louis University, star wide receiver, one of the top two to three wide receivers in the class, depending on what recruiting platform you're looking at. And Jeremiah McClellan, who is the teammate of Jeremiah Love out of Christian Brothers Academy as well. So I, I just think that, again, Brian, we talk about what the, the home base is, right? Indiana has sporadically some good football players that come out of the state, right? You talk about the Jalen Smiths of the world, sure. talk about George Karloftis, but it's not a hotbed for talents at a high level anyway, consistently. So I believe, and I would love your insight on this, but I believe that St. Louis and just the Missouri spot in general, the state in general, is an important place for Notre Dame to frequent because right now, you know, Missouri's a down program, right? Like you're not going to keep a lot of those kids in state. So now you're going to be wrestling with the Midwestern powers, then to the Oklahomas, to the Tennessees, like that. Those are going to be kind of the teams that you're going to be wrestling with. And I think Notre Dame has a big opportunity to kind of keep a lot of those St. Louis kids in the Midwest and keep them and bring them to South Bend. Because I think that that is an area that has continued to put out a lot of talent, especially recently. And I think it's one spot that Notre Dame definitely needs to tap into more here. A couple of things. Number one, you're right. They haven't been good recently, but let's go one step further. I will be 50 years old next year, and it's been longer than that since Missouri was consistently good. That's not a good sign. And when I say consistently, I mean like they could win 10 games out of 12 or at least nine out of 11 before they went to the 12. They just, when it was the big eight, they were pretty competitive in the 60s to early 70s. But since then, they've only had a few little stints where they were good. And the kids that are now 14 to 18 years old in that recruiting range, they don't really know that. And kids in today's age, if I had my cell phone next to me, I'd hold it up. If it didn't happen in the last 10 minutes, they don't care. They just don't. It's just right now attitude. It's terrible. I don't agree with it. But that's how it works. And to that point, this year they had to bat. I mean, they're in to Missouri's credit, they're in the SEC East. That's not exactly the easiest league to battle through. So that being the case, uh, it's going to be hard for them to be better than six and six most years. And these kids know it. They did get the one kid last year, the receiver. I forget what his name is, but he was a national Luther, Luther Burden. Yeah, 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 yeah. He was. I mean, he could have went anywhere he wanted. He could have went anywhere he wanted. He went to Missouri and started right away. And good for him. That's that's great. He'll be a three and out player. But he would have been a three and out player at Colgate. It doesn't matter. And he knew <laughs> it. He just decided to stay home. It's two hours from home, whatever. That's fine. Most kids aren't going to do that. If you look at rivals on three, two, four, seven, and you go through and they have these state rankings, mm-hmm. one of the things you can do as a barometer, you know, the rankings change a little bit. But especially top five, it's pretty much the same kids by all the services. Any state you want, Ohio, Florida, Georgia, Texas, if you want to see how dominant a program is, go to any of those rankings. How many of the top five kids went to state you? And then maybe go top 10 kids. Did they get at least four or five of them? Missouri, not so much. 
They're just not. The kids, right. they go to Iowa, they go to Illinois, they go to Notre, they just go all over. And then Georgia will get like one kid or Oklahoma will get like one kid. They just go everywhere. They're not loyal. Why would mm-hmm. you not recruit it if you were Notre Dame? Right. And right. it's just, it's just far enough where they get the quote unquote college experience. But if they exactly. want to drive home for the weekend, it's five hours or something like that to St. Louis Four, I don't know, something like that. It's the perfect range. And you mentioned the kids that are going to sign with Notre Dame in this class, private mm-hmm. schools, for whatever reason. And I don't know the dynamics in St. Louis right now, mm-hmm. but private schools are just dominate. I mean, not they yeah. do in a lot of areas, but in St. Louis, it is just completely dominant. The one program that does well that's public is actually East St. Louis, which is in Illinois. But they, <laughs> I, I ran into somebody in Tampa recently, and she knows McClellan and all of them. Her kid played with them. They just moved to St. Louis. And she said the deal there is it's not like Florida where you can just transfer a million times. You mm-hmm. transfer, you sit out. So the kids, they'll transfer to East St. Louis. They're still playing the same area. They don't have to sit out. So that's one of the advantages there. But uh, these kids are all playing against each other. They all know each other. They all hang out with each other. Same trainers. Once you're in to that little (laughs) group, and Notre Dame is obviously in. I know that they're in with Wingo and some of these other guys. Um, Mm -hmm. Breedell Richardson, I don't know if you saw it today. He tweeted out Notre Dame today. um, I know Brio extremely well. He played with Wingo this past spring uh, with Fast Houston down in a New Orleans tournament. And I didn't even know who Wingo was. I took a picture of him. And I had no idea at the time. And I watched him take off. I'm like, who is that guy? I mean, it's just <laughs> absurd how fast he is. He's raw as all get out. Brio is a much better pure receiver. But the, the physical tools for Wingo mm-hmm. are just utterly ridiculous. So. Yeah. There's a lot of talent there. You have to recruit it, and it's not so far south that you're going to just completely bang heads with Georgia, Texas, Ole Miss, et cetera. It's the perfect niche for Notre Dame. And if you can complement your Midwest recruiting Ohio, Chicago with it, man, that makes life a lot easier. Because, I mean, I live in the south now. Wherever I'm at, it's the same thing. Most of the coaches down here, they do not like Notre Dame. They just don't. They're not going to help you. And St. Louis, you're probably going to get a lot more help. That's the final point I want to make. It is a Midwest hub, and Notre Dame should always be able to at least get their foot in the door. And right now, they've kicked in the door, so that's great. Yeah, and and kind of the home base around Notre Dame that we talk a lot about. We we talk a lot about usually offensive linemen up north, right? Guys that Notre Dame's going to tap into the Illinois of the world. You know, obviously, Charles Jagasaw in this cycle the ohio occasionally indiana occasionally you're going to find some really good offensive linemen i think the the key point though about the st louis area brian is a lot of really good athletes are coming out of there i mean we're talking about 2023 christian gray a cornerback right we're talking about jeremiah love a running back athlete type who's a dynamic player talking about aeneas williams another running back and then we just mentioned two wide receivers in brian wingo and jeremiah mcclellan so they're going to the st louis area not for offensive linemen, defensive linemen. They're trying to find skill position, guys that can kind of make it go. And, I mean, we've talked about this a ton, right? That's one of the key spots that Notre Dame needs to get better at consistently moving forward. Oh, right? yeah. I, they, I, we got to find more kids from cold-weather states that can play on the perimeter. Yes. I've talked about that with a million people that are, that are following Notre Dame for 25, 30 years. It, for whatever the reason, it's more sporadic. Used to yep. be like uh, Rocket, 
came out in 88 the year before they got Ricky Waters. They were both from Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. When a kid like that comes out of PA now, there are so few of them. Notre Dame usually doesn't even finish in the top two every now and then, but they've struggled to get those kids in the, in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Ohio, if it's a true skill kid, I mean, let's be realistic. One out of 20, your yeah. kid's going to go to Ohio State. Kid's going to go to Ohio State. Yep. So Michigan, you know, the Johnson kid a couple of years ago, the corner, well, his dad played at Michigan. Gee, where did he sign? It's hard <laughs> to keep these kids because there's so few of them. Those schools are going to put all their resources into getting them. In mm-hmm. Florida, Texas, Louisiana, like the fifth or sixth best receiver in a state like Louisiana mm-hmm. could end up all SEC at Mississippi State. And LSU sure. didn't even freaking offer it. Right. It's just different. There just aren't as many. It's just the way it is. And I don't I don't have the definition for it. But when Notre Dame can get in and get some of them and not have to come to Florida, mm-hmm. not have to come to Texas every year. I mean, you can do it. Obviously, they got to – how many? They got three Texas receivers in this class, which probably will There's not have to win in my lifetime, <laughs> to be honest. Well, let, let's hope, though, Brian. Let's hope, though. Well, I mean, I, I'm all for being wrong. I would yeah. love to be wrong on that. But, I mean, that is not a situation that's going to happen every year. But Texas is obviously one of those states where Notre Dame has some has some pull, obviously, or they wouldn't have got those kids. It's a little better academically than a lot of the other southern states. So, okay. But Missouri, mm-hmm. again farther north, not as far away. They're used to cold weather. All the pluses, please keep doing what you're doing. Sometimes, as the old saying says, if it's not broke, don't fix it. Just keep Absolutely. going there until the until the well runs dry. I mean, it, it's amazing because outside of maybe Cleveland right now, there mm-hmm. is no other Midwest city producing skill guys, not just linemen and stuff, but perimeter players. Yep. Like St. Louis, and it might be better. I, I don't even pay attention to Ohio that much, I'm honest, because they're not going to go to Notre Dame. They're not. They're going to go right. to Ohio State, the, the elite kid. If you sure. look at the top five players that are skill kids except for Styles, mm-hmm. when was the last elite skill player that came to Notre Dame from the state of Ohio? It's not good. Yeah. Elite. It's I think question. it was the running back in 98 or something like that. I forget. He he was from Euclid, and Ohio State wanted him, but Urban Meyer recruited him. <laughs> that also helped a little bit. He was a solid recruiter. But other than that, they, they just they just can't get skill kids out of there, and that's the only state that consistently pumps out the skill guys. Most mm-hmm. of the best athletes in the Midwest want to play hoops. I'm yep. from Indiana. I mean, it, the best athletes, uh, the six-foot kid, instead of playing corner and being smart, thinks he's mm-hmm. going to the NBA, and he is not. So it's been a problem for decades. It hasn't changed. Oh, man. And again, man, I just want to reiterate, you know, and I think you hit on a lot of key points, Brian, like you're not going to get you're not going to get the skill position talents all the time in the north consistently in some of the home bases. But St. Louis is one that has been pumping it out the last couple of years. And Notre Dame needs to continue, in my opinion, to keep tapping into that well, getting that skill position talents. Because you can always find linemen up north. But to your point, it's not always going to be easy to go down to the Floridas, to the S- to the southeastern teams, uh, t- southeastern states, excuse me, and win those battles. Like, it's just not going to be easy, right? So you may get one occasionally, but it's just not going to be a consistent thing, obviously. So St. Louis, big point of emphasis there, obviously, for this class impact. Running back, I think, on that side of it, Brian, because like, that's more of the overall is the fact that we're going to talk a little bit about what this class is right now, but I think just digging into St. Louis is a big part of this conversation. This, the Missouri just state in general, getting players from that state 
And I also think that we need to talk about the running back position here with Notre Dame now moving forward because you have a really interesting mix. Because, again, this yeah. is a 2024 kid. But flash forward a little bit to 2024 when Aeneas Williams gets on campus at Notre Dame. You could potentially, and there's no, you know, we live in the transfer portal era. You know, some kids are going to be uh, going to be seniors potentially at that point. So you don't know what the roster 100% is going to look like, right? But in theory, you could have a backfield that looks something like Audrey Gestime, Logan Diggs, Jadarian Price, Jabron Payne, Jeremiah Love, and... Aeneas Williams. I, I would venture to ask you, Brian, because you, you got a little bit of the more historian NFL, uh, Notre Dame angle for this. When's the last time Notre Dame has been that deep at running back? I mean, honestly, and it's it's so interesting because it's so many different types, right? Like you have Estimate, who's the 230-pound absolute hammer. You have Diggs, who's more of the 214, 215-pound kid who moves a little bit better in space but still has kind of that downhill style. You talk about... A Jadarian Price, as long as he comes back healthy, who is that one cut and I'm going to outrun anybody down, yes. you know, if you give me a sliver of dirt. Like, that's what he is. And he's filling out tremendously well. Jabron Payne has kind of that all-around feel, feel to him. Jeremiah Love is that one cut explosive back. Aeneas Williams is that other all-purpose back that is a little bit similar-ish to a Jabron Payne. So, I mean, I just it's it's been a while since Notre Dame's had this much running back talents potentially in stock over the next couple of years. The the group that it was absurd what Holtz had done and the 90 class it's famed for Notre Dame. Consider the following point. And you can count Bettis however you want because he was a freshman that year. They were so loaded. First off, just put it in perspective. Jerome obviously ends up in the Hall of Fame. He didn't play much as a freshman. Now I know he's a freshman, but everybody in the country knew that was the guy. Every school in the country offered him out of McKenzie high school in Detroit. Okay. He goes to Notre Dame, Ricky Waters, Tony Brooks. Brooks would have been a longtime NFL player if he had a back injury. Uh, Brooks, Ricky Waters, and this one guy, you've probably heard of him. His name was Emmett Smith. They were the three best running backs coming out of high school in, in 87. Solid, solid. Name, name sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Um, they were on the roster. Rodney Culver, the late Rodney Culver, was on the roster. Um, I believe Anthony Johnson still was, but I could be wrong. He might have just been 89. I can't remember. Um, they also had – Vinny Serrato told me this straight up. He was a recruiting coordinator. You might have heard of the guy, uh, Jeff Burris. He uh, he was, uh, in Vinny's opinion, he came out of Northwestern High School in Rocky, South Carolina. Vinny had him number one on his board at tailback. They Wild. also had Willie Clark, who could play any position, who was the fastest guy on the team at running back. <laughs> they had like seven running backs that played in the NFL in some capacity on one freaking roster. It's wild, man. It's wild. <laughs> so I'll go with that one. But uh, <laughs> sure. But can but, I get a best sits? Can I get a best sits? Like, <laughs> um, here's the other stat for you. How many rosters yeah. do you know of in college football history that didn't have one? but had two players that ran for 10,000 or more yards in the NFL waters and Bettis. Bettis. Yeah. 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 That's, that's a, Hmm. I'm, I'm actually digging my memory been, back here. <laughs> I would imagine that early two thousands Miami team would be one. One of the, oh, yeah. Portis Portis and and then. Did McGahee make it maybe, but I mean, again, it's going to be a very, maybe one of those Oklahoma teams from the seventies, early eighties or USC teams. 
But again, yeah. that's rarefied air. The talent, that mm-hmm. it, assuming everybody's, and I got to believe somebody's going to leave. Somebody's either going to turn pro or leave next year. Sure. But Notre Dame's group this next year is going to be really good. If they get Aeneas to sign and nobody leaves, is it something that you could look at and say, every one of these kids at least is going to have a cup of coffee in the NFL? I mean, we don't know about Jadarian. And his, I right. mean, he had an Achilles. That's the, like the, the death knell for a lot of guys. And I've seen him live. His film's great. Trust me. Seeing him live is different. He made yeah. Texas kids look stupid in the game I went to. He <laughs> ran for 299 yards and had 100 yards received. He, he's absolutely insane. That's why He may not be in the top three. <laughs> so, that's not many running back groups can do that. Like this next year, assuming mm-hmm. nobody transfers just in 23 for Notre Dame, there yeah. won't be five teams in the country that have a better depth chart than the Irish, in my opinion, yeah. because the one-two punch up front is great. And I don't know if Chris Tyree is going to transfer or not. My guess is that he would because he's not getting much playing time. But if mm-hmm. he comes back, yeah, I mean, Price, and, and then, you know, all these other love, kids coming love, in. I mean, love coming love. in and, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... you can't just sit love on the bench. You've got to do something with it. They've already got an embarrassment of riches. And, you know, you put guys in the slot and do different things. But, yeah, I mean, my mom could be the running back coach and they'd be successful. She doesn't know which way the football could go. So it, it's a great problem to have, man. You, you know what's funny is before the show, I was talking to Brian Driscoll about this a little bit and the fact that – he he's like Kyron Williams is the easy comparison for Aeneas Williams. Like people sure. always go there because of the Missouri thing and the body type. And it, it makes sense. It does the runs running style. They both run very angry and a lot bigger than they actually are. Right. Like they have that type of type of aggressiveness to them, I guess, as runners. But Brian kind of comped them a little bit to junior year high school version of Golden Tates before he became like a true wide receiver. He was more of a running back that you know, was wide receiver skill set, but was playing a lot more running back. And I floated out the, the conversation, Brian, because I think you're making a great point about this is that if you're trying to find ways to get all, you know, more of these guys on the field, I wouldn't be shocked if Aeneas Williams is that big slot at some point, right? That kind of that well, physical golden tape. Right. That's how you get guys on the field. Even if he's a 1 million percent decoy, if yep. Chris Tyree comes back next year, every defensive coordinator know who's, knows who he is. If he's lined up on a linebacker and you have man coverage and you stick with man coverage, you can strike up the band. I mean, it's it's over. He's got to mug him at the line of scrimmage because no linebacker is going to run 4-3. So right. there's a lot of eye candy without – I mean, he literally doesn't have to do anything but stand out there. Never move yep. after the snap and he's, he's impacting the play. That's the problem mm-hmm. with the spread that drives – Defensive coaches crazy, and I and I had this conversation. I cover UCF, but one of their their coaches, their DB coach, I said, "Man, the hardest spot other than quarterback, obviously, mentally, is just it's ridiculous what you got to know." But so the hardest spot in football now is slot corner because you got mm-hmm. the tight end in front of you on one play, he blocks on a screen, and you're a 180 pound corner. Then on the next play, it's a five nine, 155 pound guy. And you, you got the two-way go. Both. Yeah, I mean, as a coach, you can't tell what's going to happen because they could come out in 22 personnel. And Notre Dame certainly did some of that with two backs in the backfield and the guys around. But that tight end can also be out there. The personnel sets have become so diversified, and Notre Dame's is going to be tremendous starting next year with these freshman receivers and the running backs. Jeremy, like, love can catch. 
you think that you're just going to put him at running back? You know, and the same thing when Aeneas gets it, they're going to put him in the slot. It's you couldn't pay me to want to be a defensive coach at any level moving forward because they have no advantage. They never have Seriously. an advantage. So, yeah. I mean, even crappy quarterbacks can look good. Think about the Auburn guy in 2013 with the RPO. He was one of the worst passers I've ever seen. Oh, they Nick were Marshall. A seconds away from winning a national title. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he couldn't throw it five yards. He was terrible. <laughs> but he was you know, he was a freak, and he yeah. understood how to read defensive linemen and when to pitch and hand off and all that. And they they ran the ball for three hundred yards a game, pretty much. So it didn't matter. So you just every now and then hit a spot. Yep. That was Brian, it. you know, you know, what's funny is is Brian Driscoll hates the triple option, and I know he's behind well, stage so in this, but I'm just like, you know, just put Audrey Guessame as the dive back. Now you got a couple oh of these guys. But <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> could you imagine like if Holtz would have estimated today? I don't know if you ever saw what he used to do with the, the T formation on the goal line. Oh yeah. Put estimate in the middle of that. The middle linebacker has to just key the A gap. He can't do anything else. I mean, you just then you just out athlete them on the perimeter with your quarterback. I mean, forget it. Yeah, it, oh, yeah. It, it, it's sickening. I mean, that's pretty much what the RPO game is. And that's why Aeneas is so important because they can hand it to him, they can fake it to him, they can fake it, and he can run a wheel route. He's so versatile. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a buddy that's coached him, and it, it's one of those things where he's capable of being a DB if they want it. I mean, I, again, I know he's going to be running back. But from a physical yeah. perspective, he could be a DB, he could be a receiver yeah. or a running back. You can never have enough of those guys. And that's what Vinny and Lou did mm-hmm. in the 80s and 90s. They yeah. brought in as many running backs as possible. And every that's when everybody just ran the ball. They got them to campus. They watched them for a day or two, and they moved. Rocket played running back a lot in high school, too. You know, it's just not everybody can play running back. And they just, you know, just moved guys around, and they got to the NFL. You get guys paid, they don't care. So (laughs) Notre Dame is in a similar way, kind of doing that now, but they're doing it with some bigger backs. Like, I mean, Ardrick estimate is a rare player. (laughs) We're not going to see many guys like him. I mean, he he just looks different, even on a college field. I mean, when they do those close-ups on like NBC, it's just like, whoa, you know, and that that helps. That helps. I love the picture Dela McCullough posts after every win, Brian, because you can see just the all the running backs just kind of with their just with their jerseys on with no pads, and you can see it, man. You're just like estimate is a hoss, but then you see Jadari Price. You're like, that's a big kid too now, man. Like he he's got a little something to him, but yes, I agree. I mean, estimate is a it's a different back, man. If you want to talk about a throwback, like he's oh. a throwback. Any era is what Audrey Estimate could have played in. That he's like that's oh, back, so. He would have yeah. fit in in the Big Ten in 1987. Oh, you know? 100%. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. No doubt about it. Downhill, first and 10. Make mm-hmm. a business decision if you're one, one in the hole because this is not going to be a good day. No, <laughs> definitely not. not. <laughs> and I'll say this for the other part of the class impact is that from a overall perspective, we talked about St. Louis. We talked about the running back position moving forward. Another big class impact is the fact that Notre Dame now recaptures the number one overall class after Brandon Davis Swain decommitted from the class in 2024. Number one overall by rivals. The offensive class especially, Brian, because they have Owen, Owen Wafel on defense. They have Carson Hobbs, who they flipped from South Carolina at cornerback, right. the Ohio right. product. 
but they have now collected. You want to talk about the Irish invasion for a second and the impact they had that day? C.J. Carr was at the Irish invasion, quarterback in the 2024 class. Cam Williams, their top, their wide receiver uh, commit in the 2024 class out of Glenbard South in Illinois. Aeneas Williams was there uh, in in the, at the Irish invasion, as well as Jack Larson, the tight end out of Charlotte Catholic in the state of North Carolina. So that offensive collection from the Irish invasion, they got things rolling now here, man. And I think that it was huge, obviously, for 2024, getting a player – like C.J. Carr early on in this class, a quarterback with that type of name, that type of recognition, mm-hmm. and seeing the impact, man. I mean, right now, Brian, we were ta- me and Brian were talking about this on the show earlier. 2023 filled up with defense very quickly, and then offense kind of trickled in and ends up being a good offensive class in 2023, a very good offensive class. But so far, the presence of C.J. Carr and his work at the Irish Invasion and the offensive class here so far getting guys – like Peter Jones at offensive tackle, getting guys like Cam Williams, Aeneas Williams, Jack Larson, C.J. Carr. Notre Dame is off to a tremendous start in 2024 on the offensive side of the football especially. It's interesting because if you look at Notre Dame historically, okay, where did they rank at a class, whether it's Rivals or Tom Lemminger or whatever? They usually have higher-ranked classes when they need offensive linemen because as you guys talk about all the time and accurately – they recruited as well as anybody in the country, historically. Michigan, Notre Dame, Penn State, Alabama, probably, and maybe Oklahoma or, or USC or, or the schools that have always done well there. Well, this next class, I, what do you think, three most likely on the O-line? If, because they've recruited it so well the last couple of years. Yes. And they're still, I mean, heck, they're, I'm not saying they're done. It kind of depends on which kids come in and play. and don't. There'll be somebody out of this group getting ready to sign It'll transfer next fall. Like one gets just every year. There's somebody like that, but yeah. they're really not going to need a whole lot by the time we get to next fall camp. They'll be done with yeah. the offensive class. They'll they take really two or three receivers. They'll be done. They already got the kid. I like the kid from North Carolina that you mentioned. He's a good mm-hmm. tight end. Larson. Yep. And they got their stud quarterback. He's a top 50 player conservatively. Most people got him in the top 25. Mm-hmm. And they're, I mean, O-line will take care. Harry doesn't miss very often there. They'll get two or three guys. They got Peter Jones already, et cetera. I'm, I don't even pay attention. I know this is not what fans probably want to hear, but I don't even pay attention to Notre Dame O-line. Flat out, I don't. I do not. Because and, and, and Harry, we trust. I get it, man. I get it. And, and to your point, Brian, it was a five-man class, obviously, offensive line in 2023. You're probably looking at three-ish somewhere in that offensive line. You have one already in Peter Jones. They're probably going to get a, maybe one or two true offensive tackle types because they kind of loaded up on a lot of interior right. players the last couple of years. So getting the true offensive tackle types. Jack Larson at tight end is a great start. I know they would like to get Carter Nelson, the 2024 tight end out of Nebraska. I don't know if you've seen this guy, Brian, but you need to go. I haven't watched him. Driscoll keeps telling me I should see him. He's a freak of nature, man. A seven-foot high jumper as a sophomore a all-conference basketball player, 170-foot discus thrower, like just wild. And he's playing eight-man football. So it's, it, you want to oh, talk about men sure. amongst boys, men amongst boys. I was boys. getting ready to say that's – I'm not trying to be mean, but that's probably really boring for him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it is It is child's play, man. It really is. Then, um, yeah, so, so then – 
tight end will be done if they get a Carter Nelson in the class. And then you look at the wide receivers, you know, the question is, you know, is it three? Is it four? We'll see what it ends up being, obviously. But you already have Cam Williams. You're on guys like Ryan Wingo. You're on guys like Jeremiah McClellan. You mentioned Breedell Richardson earlier as a guy that Notre Dame likes. So there's plenty of targets on the board for Notre Dame that, to be excited about. And then I think, and we'll get more into what's next with running back, but you might see another running back in this class, in my estimation. So that's kind of what the class impact is. We want to get into film next, and then we're going to talk a little bit about the what's next for Notre Dame and a little bit of just, you know, just kind of wrapping the bow on this one. So we're going to pull up, though, the film and show you guys what makes for us Aeneas Williams, a special running back, all-purpose back. And uh, Brian, here we go. All right. So, of course, we're looking at the running back here, Aeneas Williams. I, I think the first thing that pops off to me, Brian, <laughs> is that comparative to the other players he's playing against, and again, he's not the biggest back in the world. He's about 5'11", 195 to 200 pounds right now. You know, can definitely get up to about 210, 215, I think you said earlier, and I agree with that. But he's uh, he's the most physically put-together player on the field. <laughs> he's the biggest guy by far. And uh, but I think you see the physicality early on that he plays with. I think you see the speed. He's got a little bit of wiggle in the open field. So he really is just a, a solid all around running back, in my opinion, from an athleticism perspective. It's funny that he's from St. Louis, because one of the things that Kyron did was after contact, his ability to stay on his feet was unbelievable. And if yes. you look at the run right there, it's just I know that's a high school kid, but he got him around the ankles. Nine yep. times out of a 10, even an NFL running back, that doesn't end well for them. They go down. That's a great yep. sign. And then, of course, right here, how many uh, how many kids did he embarrass right there? It's I don't About care what kind of position you're in. It, that's That play right there is one of the most important plays in football. It doesn't take anything to draw that up, but he makes, what, five guys miss? <laughs> so coaches look brilliant when that happens. Yep. Uh, I mean, and I love it again because you're seeing him out wide in these clips. You're seeing him at running back. You just saw him take that jet sweep and turn off the jets. And I think the long speed is is pretty good. You know, it's it's he's not. I wouldn't call him a blazer to any extent, right? Like he's not a Jeremiah Love. He's not like that type of running back, Jerry and Price. But he definitely has enough speed. He's got that all around profile. And I think you hit it on, nail on the head, Brian. For me, is that he is. You can tell how competitive he is just by how he runs. He's got tremendous balance, but he's like one of those guys, like Kyron Williams, to a degree, where I think he, I think he takes it personal that people want to try to tackle him. Like he, he, it's almost disrespectful to him. You know, that's why in that touchdown clip earlier in the in the in the uh, video where he looks like he could have just coasted into the end zone, he kind of slows down and just gives the guy a nice little stiff arm right before the goal line. You know, it's like he he's the tone setter for his offense. It's amazing to me. And here's another. This run right here is just great. That's wild, man. Oh, he stayed up. Look, he stayed up. <laughs> look, I don't care what level you play at. There still has to be a level of desire. And running back, you take a lot of a lot of beating. I think it's still number one in the NFL for players getting injured. You know, safety might be right there as well. It's just because everybody's on the field is trying to hit you. He doesn't care. He wants to continue going forward. And. Yep. Every play, he breaks a tackle. It's yep. just ridiculous. So, I mean, his offensive line is not great. They do a solid job, but he's getting hit near the line, 
and he still scores. That's a great sign. Yeah, and again, tremendous balance. You see the vision. I think that's a lot why you see people that are kind of compare him a little bit to Kyron Williams for a couple of those reasons, right? Like he was, I mean, Kyron was 195 pounds, you know, pro, you know, he was over 200 at some points, but he was between 195 and 200 pounds, but he ran so physically and with such great balance and low center of gravity. And that's, that's what I see a lot with an Aeneas Williams is that he just has that real nice forward lean, breaks a ton of tackles, just the balance, I think, is the biggest thing. And then you see him here playing wide receiver, just a little stop route, and quickly makes a guy miss in the open field and accelerates for another touchdown. And that's just littered through the film. And uh, how many how many tackles did he break there, Brian? About five or six in that tight window? <laughs> like, it's wild, it's comical because, I mean, usually on a stop route, you're going to get pummeled. And I yep. know the comp isn't good, but he, he ran through everybody. So, again, it's about his effort as much as it is about his natural God-given ability. Yep. And, I mean, right there he's playing as number one wide receiver near the end zone, and he runs just a little stutter fade and finishes in the back of the end zone. I mean, ball skills get on this kid as well is is what's interesting. You know, like you you were going to phrase him as a running back, but this kid's an athlete. This is a guy that can do a little bit of everything. You see the competitiveness through the catch point right here to finish through contact between two different guys. Like there's a lot of a lot of stuff to take from this kid that you get that gets you really excited as far as his all-around profile. It's not really surprising to me that so many schools went after him after I heard about him and I watched a little film, but this is just kind of reaffirmed. I haven't I hadn't watched any of his film this year because again, I already knew how good he was. Mm-hmm. But seeing him catch the ball is probably the one thing I'm most interested in. He looks like he's just as natural catching as he is playing the running back position. Doesn't matter if he's catching a screen, he's in the slot, or he's out wide. That is something that is good to see because he can be moved around, and Notre Dame can use, again, all those different personnel packages and really confuse the defense because he could be in the backfield on one play, they use the same personnel on the next one, and he's out wide. That is Mm -hmm. very frustrating for an opposing defense. Yeah, and I think the wide receiver background, because again, he he ran he had over twelve hundred receiving yards as a sophomore, which he made first team all state as a wide receiver. And I think that you see some really natural ability as a route runner. He definitely understands spacing, how to attack blind spots, and there's just a fluidity to him as a route runner. Which again, why do I think that he could play a little bit in the slot and maybe be that wide receiver type down the line? I think that it's that right. Like he's going to be a different body type and a different play style than what you typically see from a slot receiver. But again, folks, like we've seen Golden Tate in the past, right? Who's was, was a stockier, 205, 210 pound wide receiver who just broke a lot of tackles and had the running back background from high school. So I, I think that there's some parallels there, which are very interesting. And uh, I mean, I mean, Brian, again, like, like right there, I mean, how many running backs are you running streak down the middle of the field and be able to track the football like that? That's, that's really special stuff at this level. The other thing about that, every quarterback, no matter his ability, they know which guys can make plays like that. He could be completely wide open. If the quarterback doesn't trust him, they don't throw the ball. On that yep. one down the middle, that was pretty good coverage. He still let it rip. That mm-hmm. means he knows that Aeneas can make those plays. Yes. And, and there was there's that play early on in the in the 
in the film where literally the guy intercepted the football and he stole it from him and went for six, right? Like he's that type of dude. And I mean, you see again, the vision here, the ability to change direction and to bend this one all the way back to the sideline showcases the speed. I know there was a conversation over the speed profile. And I think Brian already said he's definitely faster than Kyron Williams. There's no doubt about it. He's definitely has more home run speed than Kyron ever did. But I think again, you see that all around profile, man, because Brian, I've seen a little bit of his film at defensive back to your point, because I know you mentioned that, you know, someone had talked about it. This kid, I think, could play defensive back in college. I think he could play wide receiver. I think he could play running back. This is just all around profile is what makes it so exciting, because then you are going to combine it with what you have in the running back room if you're Notre Dame. And it's it's just the, the ability to use different personnel is what this kid brings to the table, which, again, is why it makes it so exciting to me. So that was a little bit of film on Aeneas Williams. Again, 2024 running back, now committed to the University of Notre Dame out of Hannibal High School in uh, the state of Missouri. So it looks like we're going to pop on a little bit of – this is sophomore film, I believe, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I said 47 yes. Yep, let's watch some sophomore film. Oh, Brian Driscoll behind the set. What a great producer, sir. You are fantastic. <laughs> That's good stuff. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. And again, he you was can already see, filled out some by that age, and he just bludgeoned people. Uh, Brian, I, I talked to his coach earlier, and he was just like, you know, this kid apparently was like, you know, in their town was just dominating the junior high circuit, as you can as you can imagine, right? And he was just like, you know, he kind of had a reputation before he got to us, and someone told me like, oh, this this is the best kid you're ever going to have, all this stuff, and he's like, all right, man, let's relax. He's an eighth grader, right? Then he gets uh, – I think it was one of the first days of off-season workouts, and he was like, yeah, that guy was probably right. <laughs> and then he ends up with like 27 <laughs> touchdowns as a freshman. So, again, you see the quick twitch. You see the explosiveness, the acceleration. Definitely filled out a bit from sophomore to junior film. But to your point, Brian, like he's a very filled-out kid for only being a sophomore there as well. Looks like he got a little taller too, as you would imagine. Yeah, he, he just a complete football player. Just a complete football player. I, I'm sure the coaches in that league, albeit mm-hmm. in private, are probably cussing and screaming about him because there's nothing they can do with their skill sets to stop him. Right. It's got to be very frustrating because they're, they're like like Ryan said earlier, they're like an hour north of St. Louis. This is not the best comp. And as a freshman, he was the best player in the league, probably by a mile. And then they have to realize that, oh, we have three more years of this. Fantastic. <gasps> Can you That's imagine being be a so debilitating? So debilitating. I know, man. Imagine being an opposing coach and being like, oh, man, all right. At least we can get that kid out of here. And you're like, oh, he was a freshman. That is. I'm so sure upsetting. a lot of people didn't believe it when they first were told he was a freshman. Like, literally. Yeah. Like, mean, there's no, I'm sure. Like, because that kind of kid doesn't come through that league. He just doesn't. No. And a little backstory on that, and I should have mentioned a little bit earlier, but when talking with his head coach today, they haven't had a kid go high-level D1 ball since the late 70s, early 80s. So to your point, Hannibal does not put out this type of talent very often. And by very often, I mean in the last 45 years, they haven't put out a kid like this. So <laughs> it's uh, it's impressive, man. It's really impressive. It's been a yeah, when I was in uh, kindergarten, they uh, had another kid like this. I, I'm almost fifty. That puts things in perspective. That's hilarious. That's oh hilarious. man, it's That's wild. 
But so, I mean, Brian, Brian, we talk about this all the time, though, is the fact that like, but when you play this type of competition that you are easily the best, you have to dominate it, right? And that's what he does. Absolutely. 108 touchdowns in three years. I mean, that speaks for itself, obviously. And he only played nine games this year, dealing with a little bit of nagging injuries. Well, I, I at this point, I mean, there's really nothing left for him to prove. I wouldn't be surprised if he got any kind of if, if he plays there next year. If he gets even bumped a little bit during the regular season, he'll sit out because he has nothing to gain. Right. I mean, he's already committed to that. I mean, what what is he going to prove? <laughs> Think about. It. I mean, how many guys get a hundred touchdowns in their high school career in four years? He did it in less than three. Yes, literally 108 touchdowns and he missed part of his junior year, which is just, that's insane, man. I'm pretty sure because I I got sucked into a rabbit hole earlier. I was looking at the all-time like touchdown records for high school and it had like this top 50 list. I'm pretty sure he ranks top 35 all-time in all-purpose touchdowns in a career and he's done it in three years to nationally. That's nationally too, folks. So, I mean, again, you see it here and just the physicality runs. He's going to be a fan favorite too, Brian, like the day he comes in and gets on the field for Notre Dame. Cause he, it is going to be similar to Kyron when they see just how tough he runs for his size, man. And he's got a little bit of swagger to him, which can't be undersold. You know, Notre Dame needs more swagger at certain positions. Oh, and I think yes, that he, 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 br- he brings that man. Like you can tell that there is just a extreme confidence with a guy like Aeneas Williams. He He's going to be fun. I'm I'm sure a guy, and and I've been on him about this before at some points. I think sometimes Tommy gets a little too nifty, but here, especially the second half of this past season, they ran more base stuff and just utilized their talent. With this mm-hmm. kind of kid, you can be nifty because yep. he's so intelligent and he's already proven there he is in the slot. He can play <laughs> anything. Oh my! Can you imagine how many different formations? that you can get into that basically run the same play when you have a guy that can run and catch like that, you know, you could eventually end up in the same spot, but they just don't start there. You know, that's what the NFL teams do. And it's no different with Notre Dame. He's smart enough to figure it out, know how to get leverage on a DB or do whatever you want. These are the kinds of kids that offensive coordinators have a heyday with. So Lane Kiffin is a great example. I know he's not going to Ole Miss. Lane Kiffin would go berserk with Aeneas Williams. He's my favorite play caller, and he does a tremendous job with running backs, with screens, running them in motion, wheel routes, getting them. And I mean, even in the SEC West, which is without question the best league in in college football, their running backs just beat the crap out of everybody because they scheme them. Kids like Aeneas, man, it's it's an open book on what you can do, and that's got to be a lot of fun for any coordinator. You know what else it is too, Brian? I'm thinking from a defensive perspective, right? Kind of going against this type of guy because I played linebacker. He is a linebacker's worst oh, nightmare. Because you see you see him one play as the traditional tailback. Then the next play, he's in the slot, motion him. Here comes a jet sweep. Next play, he's in the slot. Now he has to run a route and I have to cover him. Like the, he's the ultimate chess piece at the running back position. The screen game is going to be a big opportunity for him. You know, some swing screens do different types of stuff like that. As a linebacker, I'm just like pounding my head for a second. I'm like, man, I would hate going against a kid like this because he can just do so many things. And when you talk about now Jadarian Price hopefully getting back healthy from injury and Jeremiah Love coming in, you now have a plethora of running backs into the future 
that can be kind of those moving chess pieces to a degree. They can do so many different things. It's a headache for defenses. Price, for those that don't know, obviously he didn't get a play last year, has very good hands. So he becomes a running back upon catching the football down the field screen. Notre Dame fans saw him in the spring game when he housed the screen pass. So they've seen it a little bit already. Yeah. Notre Dame, I mean, just because I'm a Bettis fan, Audric Estime excites me as much as any running back since the early 90s. And there's never going to be another Bettis. I'm not saying there is. He was 260 right. playing running back. I mean, and, and, and was good at it, obviously. With, with with a belly shirt, too. It was fantastic. Yeah. And it didn't matter. He still just said, this is what I'm going to do, and I did it. That's When you have a guy like that, it's fun to watch because nobody wants to tackle Audric Estime. But you hit him for a couple of quarters, and this is something Holtz used to do. Bettis, Culver, Anthony John, they always played power. Tony Brooks was that way. But then in the fourth quarter, and it wasn't just Rocket, but they would put in somebody that was a little faster and or they would run a reverse or something like that. And it's just like, I do not want to chase the rabbit thereafter. Notre Dame is going to, I mean, even if you didn't have Estime, even if you didn't have him, they've got bigger backs and they still also have the ability to use big tight ends and stuff. The inside at the box, Notre Dame dominates teams. And, I mean, I know they're losing Mayer. Like he's a generational player. I get it. But that helped the speed guys. It wasn't like Notre Dame had a whole lot of talent outside because of the numbers were so bad. Well, that's about to change completely yes. with this receiving class they got coming in. By the way, my random pick here, freshman to start next year is a certain young man that is committed from Dallas. I could see him starting next year at some point at slot. Those kind of players are going to be single covered all the time with the running backs they have. And then Aeneas – Coming in, then you can just start rotating those guys. It's no fun to cover them. Like you said, being a linebacker, if yeah. you're going to go traditional personnel, there's no hiding that. Oh, they moved the running back out there. What may substitute? No, you don't get to do that. I mean, it's just – it's if the quarterback puts it on him, that's a huge play. And it, it's, that, it's an open that, It really is. And that that's the key, obviously, Notre Dame. We know that they need to get the quarterback position right over the next couple of years. There's no doubt. But one point that you made is the mismatch potential at running back and at slot receiver over the next few years is going to be big time. Because you mentioned Caleb Smith, obviously, that was who you're referring to. Right. You also have, of course, Jaden Thomas coming back who can play in the slot. Lorenzo, if he comes back can play in the slot. Then you also have Jane Greathouse coming in, who I think, again, he's a different type of cat comparative to a Caleb Smith, for instance. But he can do stuff in there, too, because he's got that big physical break tackle type of look to him. Great hands, good route runner. So you're going to have a bunch of different slot types, not even counting Jeremiah Love going in the slot occasionally, not even counting Aeneas Williams when he gets there going into the slot occasionally, not even counting Jadarian Price going in there occasionally if, if he comes back healthy. So there's so many different options for mismatches, which is just incredible to think about, man. Like, it's like those are the mis- that that's the mismatch spots, right? Is running back and slot receiver because you're going to get matched up with linebackers and some safeties and some nickels at times. There's advantages to be found there. Not not even mentioning the fact that you're going to have Tobias Merriweather, Deion Colsey outside, who are six four, six five, right? 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's, that's the point. The spot that Notre Dame, in most schools, to be honest, historically struggle with is corner. There's very few of them. It's by far, there's not even a second or third place to recruiting corner at an elite level that changes games other than the quarterback position. So quarterback kind of is its own entity. But skill guys, corner is hard. But if you're putting those guys out wide, I mean, the difference between a corner and coverage and even a safety usually is – tremendously different. And now we're talking about, okay, we're pounding the football. We obviously Notre Dame still even out without number 87. They're going to be good at tight end. They're still going to be able to beat on people. Harry, he stands still the O-line coach. They still have two elite offensive tackles, etc. They're going to run the ball. You're, you're going to see, even when they come out in like personnel that it, it you know, they could be in zero. They could be in five wide. And teams are still going to think about things a little bit differently because you can motion somebody like Aeneas into the backfield. You can obviously, if, if Estime starts in the formation out, you know you can run a jet sweep to him or you can do it with anybody they have. It's hard to go against Notre Dame running the ball and playing power football. Yep. So you're going to see more linebackers on the field than what the other team really wants to do. But nobody likes having their manhood taken away. Ask Clemson. I mean, look at Clemson's linebacker corps from a physical perspective. Yeah. It is phenomenal. It's like mm-hmm. Miami 1990s stuff. And Notre Dame was up 35 to nothing. I know. Seriously. I mean, just think Trent, about that. Trenton Simpson, Barrett Carter, Jeremiah yeah. Trotter Jr. Yeah, man, they got dudes there, no doubt. And Notre Dame just bludgeoned them. Now, part of that, straight up. Notre Dame's offensive line, that's as good a game an offensive line has played in Notre Dame Stadium and I don't even know how many years. So hats off to them. But they did not tackle any of the running backs that came through. And the quarterback, when given a little bit of time, he threw the ball pretty well too. So everybody did yep. their job. Now you're adding more dynamic pieces. I mean, Notre Dame ran duo like 70% of the, it was just It was the most boring game plan ever. And I, I don't think it really started that way, but like we're hitting six yards of carry. Why would we do anything different here? I mean, sometimes it's really that dumb. It's just, it's yes. just like they can't stop us. They can't yeah. stop us. So Wait, me, and, me and Brian, me and Brian were at the Syracuse game, Brian, sorry to cut you off, but it was the same way, man. It was like early on, you're just like, they can't stop duo. Like they just can't, they don't, they can't do anything about it. You know, they're just getting downhill. They're more physical than what Syracuse had. They're more physical than what Clemson had that day for whatever reason. And That's it was weird. just repetitive, man. Because, I mean, Clemson has a great defensive line. They got some dudes on the second level at linebacker, no doubt. But that was just Notre Dame's day in the trenches. Like, they just dominated that football game, to your point. Now, imagine doing that early in a game, maybe not quite to that. I mean, it was utterly ridiculous from point A to point B in that game. Yep. But you have Caleb in the slot. Mm-hmm. Or great. I, I've met Great House. I can tell you, and I know you've spoken with him, but like I've been blessed to meet numerous Notre Dame recruits over the last 20 years. And he's one of the most mature kids you're going to see. I guarantee you that yeah. he will not only 
take it in a prideful manner to learn the playbook, mm-hmm. he will learn it in different spots. So they can move. It. Now I'm not saying he's going to have that done by the end of fall camp. That's ridiculous, but sure. he'll be in that group quickly. And when you can start moving guys around, that's mm-hmm. when the other team has to just run, you know what, screw it. We're just going to run cover three. Don't let them score that kind of, and then you can just pick your poison on what you yep. want to do with personnel and play calling. Because when was the last time we, we said that? about Notre Dame where they were moving guys around and quote unquote dictating to the other team. Was it when right. Brady Quinn was there or Clawson? I mean, it was what it was the, it was in that probably, realm. I mean, they, they, probably just Clawson, the yeah. guys. they just haven't had the skill guys to do it. So I don't yeah. know how to approach this. Like you know, it's, it's going to be fun to be an offensive fan again, because I've enjoyed watching them play defense more the last team, which is okay, but yeah. they have not had a great offense in a very long time. Yep. So balanced, balanced. I mean, it's okay to run the ball, but at some point, if you're going to win a national title or even come close, mm-hmm. you must have, have the ability to throw the ball and the other team knows you're going to throw the ball. And, and of That's course it. you can, su- you can supplement some of those touches with these running backs and Notre Dame's getting, but to your point, I agree hundred percent. You're starting to get a wide receiver room that it's how it's supposed to look at, at a high level school, awesome. right? With, with Deion Colsey, Tobias Merriweather, Jaden Greathouse coming in, Braylon James, who's a really talented player, still a little bit raw, but developing at a quick rate. Rico Flores, Caleb Smith, getting into now Cam Williams and some of those guys moving forward in the 2024 class. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. The 2024 class has some crazy crazy wide receivers man we were talking about earlier in the show you know it's it's not probably not realistic for notre dame but micah hudson out of texas is another guy that's just like freak show man just absolute freak show him so, and uh my favorite is jeremiah the kid that just committed to ohio state I know jeremiah him. smith yeah yeah flat out no ifs ands or buts about it he will be a top 10 pick <laughs> <laughs> that's made out of my mind yeah, yeah man that, that that class is ridiculous with him and Wingo, we already mentioned, Micah Hudson, Bredell Richardson. There's a lot of crazy wide receivers in that class. Cam Williams, who's committed to Notre Dame right now. like So many good ones. But let, let's talk about the what's next section of this podcast, Brian, as we kind of wind down here uh, moving forward. So obviously now the running back side of things, you have a running back committed in the 2024 class with Aeneas Williams. You're looking at these last two cycle, all well, these – this pet, this cycle that we're currently in in 2023 and 2024, 2023, you're bringing in Jeremiah Love after bringing in Jabron Payne, Jadarian Price the year before, and a two-man class before that of Logan Diggs and Audric Estime, starting to get a very heavily populated running back room, obviously, right? So numbers are going to look, we believe, as this. Because right now, 2023, you have Jeremiah Love. We spoke about it earlier in the first podcast, but I just want to reiterate this again. Everybody knows Notre Dame's, and we have at boards.irishbreakdown.com, Brian put an update on this earlier today. If you want to go sign up at the message board, you can because we get to go a little more in-depth on this. But Jane Lamar, who is committed to Notre Dame currently, is planning on visiting Oregon officially this weekend. And as we know, Notre Dame's policy, players that take official visits, Notre Dame is going to ch- it chooses – to treat those players as decommitted players. And to our knowledge, Jaden Lamar, if he chooses to make that visit, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens at that point, right? So as of right now, 
We are only comfortable in saying Jeremiah Love will be in the class, but we'll see obviously what the weekend brings with, with Jaden Lamar. So now originally, Brian, I was saying, you know, and me and Brian have talked about this before, you know, maybe 2024 running backs, maybe you only take one, right? That might be one and done. And Neus Williams was a guy that Notre Dame pushed for very quickly, obviously. That was a guy that they love. Now the question is, do you go to two running backs, which I think is very possible in the class. And there's some extremely, extremely talented players that are on the board for Notre Dame. couple key names to kind of keep an eye on. Corey Smith is a player that from everything that we have gathered, it seems Notre Dame is, is pretty high on out of the state of Wisconsin. He reminds me a lot of Ronald Jones, who's incredibly speedy, one-cut, downhill, fast, break, break, big runs. Like that's what Corey Smith looks like to me. Again, in the state of Wisconsin, he's not playing the greatest competition, but you see that home run speed and it is fantastic to see. And then also we have Davion Goss, who I'm sure you are pretty very familiar with Brian in, uh, in the Florida area. He's a little bit of a bigger back, 5'10", 210 pounds. Also have Nathaniel Palmer, who's on the board, Brian Jackson, the second out of the state of Texas. They're both out of the state of Texas. But as of right now, I would be willing to say, and Anthony Carey is another one out of Florida as well. So a couple Florida guys, Anthony Carey, Davion Goss to keep eyes on, and then Corey Smith out of Wisconsin are the main guys I think that we should really keep eyes on here moving forward. And uh, Brian, I don't know if you have a, just kind of a national opinion of a couple of those names, but it, the running back class in 2024, to me at least, looks like a really good class overall. And I think it might be a good idea for Notre Dame to, to dip again and to get that second running back in the class. Um, I know both the Florida kids. Um, I know yep. Anthony Carey personally. He's a Tampa kid. He plays with Bredell. That school's got a ridiculous amount of talent. Um, Carey is similar to the young man that committed to Notre Dame today, Aeneas. Um, he's very determined. He is a Florida kid on the field, but not necessarily a Florida kid off of it, which is good for Notre Dame. I'll leave it at that for now. But uh, Gauze is a kid that it's not quite as fast. He's – man, he, he will thump you. Um, I saw him each of the last couple of years. But the best play I ever saw from him, he wasn't even playing offense. This puts things in perspective. Um, they call him Bullet, and it, I, I don't know what it's from. He's, he's a big, thick kid that likes to run downhill. And, again, your business decision make running into him <laughs> – he was on kickoff his freshman year. I was at a game. They were playing Clearwater Academy International, and somebody just completely whiffed on a block. And the guy that was the return man is still cussing him. The hit that he put on a kid, and this was a really good play. Like, he just completely smashed him. And I'm mm -hmm. like, that's the kid the coaches told me about. And I checked him out. and pre He looked like he was, you know, 18 years old when he was 14. He was, he's that kid. So he's your downhill power back. Uh, he's he's a Logan Diggs type. That would be my comparison for him. If you take either one of the two Florida kids, you're good to go. Uh, I don't know the Texas kids as well. I've seen them at a combine, but that's not the same in pads. But any of those to go with Aeneas is an A class at running back. Yes. yes. So uh, whatever one wants to come, I, I would like to get, see him get carried is because I know the kid personally. That would be cool for me, but all of them are good. So Notre Dame would be in good shape. Yeah, nah, they have a very talented board right now for the running back position. 
outside of Aeneas Williams. So expect Notre Dame to possibly take a second running back in the 2024 class. And just to reiterate this again, we talked about this earlier in the show, Brian. You know, the St. Louis pipeline that Notre Dame is building is another huge, huge, huge priority. Ryan Wingo, star receiver out of St. Louis University. Jeremiah McClellan out of Christian Brothers is another big one. We've also offered Jay Sean Ross, although we don't think that that one's super realistic. The defensive end, he plays wide receiver out of the state of Missouri as well. But Notre wow. Dame is going <laughs> to definitely keep their eyes on the St. Louis area as we move forward. So that's kind of what's next. Running back position, adding to the 2024 class. St. Louis as a continued pipeline for Notre Dame. I know we have a few questions and comments that we want to hit on before we get sure. out of here. So let us go down to from Tom Adams says I'm late watching, but I think the only other college teammates to rush for 10,000 each is Thurman Thomas and Barry Sanders. That's a good one. That's a good call there. It's a good call. That's That's gotta be right there. Yeah. We had also had Brandon Plisner who says, can we please get a second running back in 2024? Corey Smith, Nate Palmer. Yeah, Brandon. I, I think that that's <laughs> yeah. I, and, and those two are very different backs, right? Palmer's a little bit awesome. bigger, a little more physical. Corey Smith's a more of the home run hitter yeah. type of back. But I agree, Brandon. I, and I think that Notre Dame is going to be in the conversation for another second running back in the class. It's just about, for me, I mean, because there's very diverse skill sets too, which we talked a little bit about, Brian. But, you know, do they want a bigger back to couple with an Aeneas Williams? Do they want more of a speed back to continue just kind of that playmaking mismatch ability? I think the question goes to style like what do you want to pair with Aeneas Williams which would be interesting right because yeah that's a great question I yeah. mean again all these kids that we're mentioning are good they're just different skills exactly. I would think the kid from the state of Wisconsin would be the most unique of them because I think he has the most sheer speed but yes again I wouldn't have any complaints about any of those young men Yep. I mean, because you already hit on kind of what Anthony Carey brings, uh, kind of that all around skill set as well. But the Javion Goss is a downhill thumper. They got Brian Jackson on the board, who's kind of more of a downhill thumper as well. Corey Smith is that pure speed type. So just what do you want to pair with him, Brandon? But I agree. I think a second running back is definitely possible. From Charlie Weiss's last belt loop, super chat. Thank you so much for that, Charlie. You can't spell stud without Aeneas. (laughs) This guy will be playing on Sundays one day. Ryan and Brian, what do you see his potential being? This is potentially three five stars in the 2024 class. Mm-hmm. CJ, uh, CJ Carr, Cam Williams, Aeneas Williams. Uh, Brian, it's an interesting question because we talked about how Aeneas will be used right at the next level, kind of being that all-purpose type player. But overall upside, I guess the potential, how, how good, I guess, do you think he could be if he hits his upside? Um, I'm going to put him in rarefied air since we were talking about 10,000-yard running backs. For old-timers like me, most people probably don't remember this or know this. Ricky Waters played receiver at Notre Dame in 88. I'm not saying that Notre Dame is going to use Aeneas in that fashion, but he's skilled enough that if yeah. he you know, literally moved to the receiver position in spring of his you know freshman year to play it himself, he could do it. So yeah. I just think they're going to move him around and really irritate the holy heck out of the opposing team's defense coordinator. If you don't know where they're going to line up, it's not fun. Think think about Reggie Bush. Mm-hmm. Now, Norm Chow was a solid offensive coordinator. I'm being very kind and just saying it that way. That's the kind of thing you see everybody do now. 
but they used to move Reggie all over the place. And I'll never forget seeing him in, in Notre Dame Stadium. He was out. Notre Dame went man coverage, and they didn't call timeout. And they had a mm-hmm. linebacker on him out to the field by himself with no safety help. How do you think that ended? <laughs> These are the well kinds – not good for Notre Dame. You have to change your coverages. And that's why you see so many teams either just going all-out blitz, we're going to try to kill a quarterback, or they're playing really soft zone because they don't have enough skill guys to match up. Aeneas gives Notre Dame that SEC type. There's another way to put it. Like Ole Miss does, like Alabama did a few years ago, LSU. When you can start moving the guys around like that, his upside is just through the roof. And Again, he doesn't have to touch the football to make an impact. That's the most important thing. When you can do that, man, it, it is it is a nightmare. Nobody likes it as a defensive coach. Well, at, at the running back room that Notre Dame is building as well, Brian, to your point, is that it's going to build a lot of one-on-ones outside, and they're starting to get wide receivers now that can potentially take advantage of that. And quarterbacks now getting them in the building, that's going to be the big point, right? Can Kenny Minchie be that guy? Can Tyler Buckner, if he's healthy, can be that guy? Can C.J. Carr be that guy? The quarterbacks at the next level over the next few years is going to be paramount for Notre Dame because – they're going to have a lot of talents at the wide receiver spots, at running back. They're going to have a lot of talent. There's no doubt. And, Charlie, thank you so much for the Super Chat. Really do appreciate it. want to go to Nathan Lytle. said, how much does getting Aeneas help with guys like Ryan Wingo and Jeremiah McClellan? I would say this, Brian, for me, uh, look, I did a sit-down interview with Jeremiah Love out of Christian Brothers after he what he was planning on committing to Notre Dame. And he, I mean, the first thing he said was, I'm I'm already recruiting guys like Ryan Winkle and Jeremiah McClellan. And you mentioned already in this podcast, the St. Louis guys are pretty tight-knit, man. Like, they talk a lot. They all know each other, yeah. Christian Gray talks to Jeremiah all the time, talks to Wingo all the time. That group's close. Now, this, again, Hannibal's a little bit away from St. Louis, but trust me when I say they're all very familiar with one another. So does it help? I think so. But I think that more than anything – the pipeline is what really is starting to help because you have multiple guys from that area now that are starting to accumulate, right? If it was just Aeneas, you know, it helps a little bit, but it's not like earth-shattering, needle-moving. But the fact that you have Christian Gray, that you have Jeremiah Love, that you have Aeneas Williams, is that going to help with Ryan Wingo? Absolutely. Is it going to help with Jeremiah McClellan? Absolutely. No doubt. There's the young man that's a freshman this year, the D lineman that's from St. Louis as well. Ford, isn't that his name? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Ty- Tyson Ford, yes. And then you that's had – um, St. Louis kid, so that can't yeah. hurt. No, yeah. and then you had Gabriel Rubio that came out of Missouri as well. Kyron, obviously, is a guy. Uh, he was one that Jeremiah Love actually mentioned by name, and I didn't even bring him up, was Kyron Williams and the impact that he had on the St. Louis community, which is really? funny. because Yeah. That. He mentioned that. He was like, oh, I watched Kyron go to Notre Dame and do what he did. And I was like, oh, I didn't know that his impact kind of dug that way. But like to your point earlier in the podcast, those guys, it's kind of like a tight-knit community, man. Like they they really do kind of feed off of one another, it seems. Most of the elite players tend to go to the same trainers, so they probably all knew each other from that. No doubt. No doubt. So St. Louis definitely a priority. No doubt. I think it will help. Last question that we have here queued up is from Bobby S., who would you guess is the next 2024 commit? Anyone close? What position group would you expect it to come from? So great question. Great question. I think Notre Dame's in a good spot with several good players. If, if I had to put where I feel maybe that we're that they're trending in the best direction with a couple guys, I would go to the defensive line first and foremost. I think it's the spot that oh. Notre Dame is trending with a couple guys. 
One is TJ Lindsay, who's out of the state of Arkansas, Bryant High School, big six five. Yes, yes, he can. I mean, they win that, they win the state championship every single year for people that aren't familiar with Arkansas high school football, which I'm really not either, but I just know that from covering him is that he is 6'5, 270, kind of that strong side defensive end, maybe a three technique down the line. He is very high on Notre Dame. Notre Dame is high on him by all accounts that we have gathered. I would also say the Smith twins out of the state of Connecticut, Jacob and Jared Smith, who are defensive linemen as well. Jacob, 6'5", 225, more of that Viper type. Jared Smith, more of the 6'3", 265 right now. Strong side defensive end who probably is a three technique long term. So those are a couple guys that I feel like Notre Dame's in a really good spot with right now. I don't know if anybody is, I would say, close to a decision. I mean, TJ Lindsay, last time I talked to him, which was – yesterday or the day before he kind of told me his his timeline as of right now is sometime in the spring most likely maybe inkling into the early summer like it most of these guys are kind of stating and we know this changes all the time they're kind of stating that you know they're kind of taking it slow a little bit carter nelson's another one that i think notre dame's getting in a really solid position with the tight end out of nebraska but he is another kid that the attention's kind of new for him, which is understandable coming from Ainsworth, Nebraska. And, uh, you know, he's talked about, you know, thoroughly that, you know, his, his father's told me as well that, like, I'm not in a rush. Like, this is very new to me, you know. Like, he grew up knowing Nebraska football, but Notre Dame now coming in and all the schools that are starting to show him attention, it means something, obviously. So that, that's why I would say are the closest as far as how things are trending. Peyton Woodyard, the safety out of Don, uh, St. John Bosco and Cali, he's committing in 23 days, I think, from today. I think Notre Dame's in a solid spot, but it's hard to tell who is the clear leader there. I know some people have said Georgia. Some people think that Notre Dame still has a, a good opportunity with you know him being Kyle Hamilton's cousin and him being very familiar with the program, all that stuff. So he's a guy to, to keep an eye on, but I don't know – if I would say Notre Dame is like the clear leader for them to land right now with, you know, a few weeks to go. So it's kind of what I see right now. Defensive line, I think is a big one tight end. Keep an eye out on Carter Nelson, Peyton Woodyard, obviously a very talented safety out of St. John Bosco, another guy to keep an eye on. So question for you. Yes. Best bet for Notre Dame class of 24 corner corner. It's so tough right now, man. Emilio Agar just came off the board. He Notre Dame was not in his top five. I didn't really feel great about that one at the time regardless. I know that Notre Dame is pretty high on Aaron Scott out of the state of Ohio, and I know there is definitely some reciprocated interest there. But, I mean, honestly, Brian, I mean, me, me and me and Brian Driscoll have talked about this a little bit. There's a lot of names on the cornerback board right now, but I don't know if there's anybody that I would say Notre Dame's in a fantastic position right now. Yeah. I mean, like that makes me, the recruiting guys, like I said, you know, they really like a guy, you know, I mean, they like Aaron Scott a lot out of Ohio. They, they're recruiting guys like, Braden Lee out of the state of, of Maryland, Dakota Fields, who's out of California. They're both very long corners. Kobe Black's a kid out of Texas. I know that they're keeping close tabs on, obviously. But there's not really anybody that I feel great about right now, if I'm being completely honest with everyone. So cornerback's a, a spot that you definitely have to keep a close eye on because I feel like it may expand at some point, depending on how some things go. Like, that's where we are. And then I also know that Notre Dame is going to keep close eyes on Caleb Beasley out of Tennessee, who's committed now to the University of Tennessee. But I know he's 
Notre Dame is very high on him, and he was also at the Irish Invasion. So they're going to keep plugging away at cornerback spot, but I just I don't feel great about anybody right now. But things obviously will change in that regard. But it's a great question. Folks, that is going to do it for this podcast. Breaking down again, Aeneas Williams committing to the University of Notre Dame, seventh commit in the 2024 class, now ranked back again at number one in the class according to Rivals.com. Appreciate Brian Smith, of course, for being with me tonight. Appreciate Brian Driscoll for being the greatest producer that money can buy. Fantastic work behind the scenes, sir. <laughs> want to thank everybody out there for joining us for this exciting day, Notre Dame football, the pessimism, uh, yeah, pay raise. There we go. I love it. I love it, man. I love it. You saw it. Everyone saw the, pl- the pl- pay raise right there, right? So go to the board and say, Ryan needs a pay raise. Uh, Just yeah. kidding. Obviously, I'm very happy with what my pay is, but you should like Subscribe to the podcast, hit the notification bell, share this podcast, go to boards.irishbreakdown.com. Again, if you were on the board, you would have known that this was probably coming probably about two weeks ago, five, five weeks ago, maybe. It's, like it's, been a minute. it's been a minute, man. So stay in tune to Irish Breakdown. Go to the message board, frequent the website. We'll have a lot more great information, but more than anything, hit that notification bell because we have – Only a few days until National Signing Day. So we'll have a lot of shows coming up very soon here. So from Brian Smith, I am Ryan. Thank you all so much. We appreciate you. And we'll catch you on the next edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance.
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.